Welcome to I Quantify, an SEO podcast. I'm Casey Massara. On today's episode, we'll be discussing full funnel connection as it relates to search with Wayne Jahansky, Vice President of Search Strategy at iQuanti. If you tuned into our first episode, you'll remember Wayne, so let's get to it. Wayne, thanks thanks once again for, for joining us. Today we're talking about full funnel connection equated to search. So right off the bat, I just, you know, I want you to basically like pretend you're talking to a kindergartner about this and not just because of my sense of humor. Simplify things a bit for us. Like how would you explain what full funnel connection is to a five-year-old or to anyone tuning in? Yeah, great question. So in the marketing world, if you will, that you take a buyer uh, that's going to consume any product or service and there's something called a journey, a buyer's journey that comes from an education down to um, a purchase. And there's multiple states of that, which include awareness, consideration, and and purchase state. This full funnel connection is referencing that journey. So when we talk about that in that context, we want to be able to understand the full journey or that full funnel. So the funnel part is is considered the the three stages. Uh, There's actually a fourth stage called loyalty, but at the very upper echelon would be the awareness funnel, and then the consideration funnel, and then the purchase funnel. And after you've made a purchase, there's a loyalty funnel. So in marketing or performance marketing or acquisition growth, oftentimes we just reference the three funnel stage because that has to do with the buyer getting to um, an upper funnel to a lower funnel uh, purchase state. So that's, that's what the funnel connection is. Okay, cool. So I was going to ask you about the, about the key tenets uh, of, of developing uh, a full funnel strategy. You, you, know, you kind of, kind of launched, launched into each, each segment. Can you kind of break those down a little bit further? Sure. Uh, you know, when, when you look at the marketing and the performance of a website, you know, in the old days, we, we used to do this with print media and different other advertising mechanisms. But in the digital world now, everything is, is online and it's with your digital consumption here. And as you do that, what we have to understand is uh, if you and I, Casey, were going to look to purchase the same element, let's say that we, we both want to get into mountain bike. When I say, let's go purchase a mountain bike, your questions that you have at the top of the mind are going to be different than my questions that I have. And that's because you're at a different stage in that, that understanding of that funnel than I am. And let's just say that you're an expert and I'm novice. I, I don't even know, I, I mean, I understand what a mountain bike looks like, but beyond that, I don't know anything. And you have done mountain biking, you, you've gone to a couple races, and you know what a 27 inch tire is. And I'm looking at you like, I, I don't have a clue. So the meaning, when we look at making a purchase for a particular product or service, your intelligence or understanding of that funnel or where you are is going to be at a different state than I am. And what we have to understand as marketers and when we develop content to help understand this funnel connection is we have to appease all of these states in an ideal world that you're going to have different buyers at different stages of this funnel. Mm-hmm. So when I reference the full funnel connection, I'm saying, do you have the right milestones, the right stepping stones from point A to B to C to D in order to get through this. So okay. as you know me, I love analogies. So I'm going to give you another analogy that I like to use often. 
if we're going to cross the river and I'm going to, the river's got rocks. Imagine, visualize this river, the streaming river, rapids, you can't just walk across, you got to step on these rocks mm-hmm. to get across the river. And the middle rock has to do with your search query of what is the best mountain bike? That's what we consider a mid-funnel, a consideration or comparison stage. You're considering the purchase of a mountain bike and you want to know what is the best one. Well, that's, that lands you straight smack in the middle of the river, right? Now, if that's the only content you have on your website, how do you cross the river? How do you move up or back in order to get to the other side of the river? Yeah, it's going to be pretty and difficult. Absolutely, right? So, you know, when we look at content, you know, let's replace content with these milestone rocks. And the one side of the river is that you know exactly what mountain bike you're going to purchase. And the other side of the river is, I don't even know what mountain biking is. And when you land in one particular spot, you need to understand how does somebody go from wherever they are to where they need to go into the purchase state. Does that part make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I can assure you though, I am not a mountain biking expert. I had a trek back in the day uh, and it got stolen from a friend's Brooklyn apartment, but that is a story for another day. I'm a road biker now. But uh, okay. yeah, no, that See, that made total sense. Sure. There you go. You're you're there. Um, and, and what people need to understand here is that what you want to try to do with any website, when we talk about a full funnel connection, we want to connect. We want to have all the rocks across the river that you can easily walk walk across. And this is for two reasons. And the the one first reason is if you come in and say, what is the best mountain bike? You should be able to go up funnel or down funnel, meaning I should either go to the left across the river or I should be able to go to the right across the river. Now, I shouldn't be stopped and in, in, in just stuck in there. What happens when you get stuck in a place? If you land and there's no rock to go one way or the other way, what's your natural instinct to do? Your natural instinct is to go backwards, go back where you came from. Mm-hmm. And if you go back where you came from, that means you left the website and you went back to Google and performed your other search because you had a question that couldn't be answered by that website. So now what you've done is you've broken that user journey because you don't have the content in market in order to go from one stepping stone to the next. And that's the last thing that companies want, right? You know, if you're selling something, you're concerned with with people actually making purchases. Absolutely. And, And imagine when you start throwing marketing dollars at this and you're doing paid media advertising and you're paying for people to land on that middle rock. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a, a very important query. The best of something is a very important consideration set that people are looking for. So it, it's, a, it's a huge rock that you want to land on people. Now you're spending uh, maybe thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to get people there. And if you don't have the next rock, if you don't have what we call a, a primary CTA, a call to action, that goes up funnel or down funnel or I'm ready to buy, you should have three primary CTAs on that page so I can either go one direction the other direction or I can go immediately to a purchase state if you don't have that they're going to bounce out and all of that money that you spent was pretty much wasted that, that you you're going to lose that customer right now I assume most of our listeners know this but CTA meaning call to action that's correct and that is something on a website and I'm sure that you have experienced this I know I have when you read a website and you're looking at a web page and you're reading all of it, 
And then at the end of the article, there's nothing to do. What do you do? You, you back out, you go back to where you were, and you do another search. That left you hanging. There was no call to action. So what we want to make sure to do, and this is not an SEO thing, this is more of a UX type of, of feature, but right. believe it or not, people, another episode, that UX and SEO can actually live together. So we'll save that, that debate uh, for that episode. But the call to action button is something that allows a reader that you want to bring them to the next step. You want to get them, of course, your idea is to get them down funnel to make a purchasing decision, but you also want to give them an option if they're not ready for that decision, can they educate themselves more? And more education means you have to move more upper funnel to get that education. So, for example, let's stick with our, our fun mountain biking uh, example here. Best mountain bikes. You might land to a page and say, well, best for what? Best for racing? Mm-hmm. Best for leisure? You know, there, there's two different use cases in that. Well, all of a sudden somebody might go, well, crap, I, I never thought about racing. I can actually race? What does that look like? And all of a sudden, now you're moving up funnel to say, oh, well, let's understand what are mountain bike races and what does that entail? You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's the important part of that. This best mountain bike analogy is kind of taking me back to like the Google um, <laughs> uh, SEO course. <laughs> I feel like that that's right. that seems like an example from, from right out of there. You know, it, it's funny because when you look at this, this funnel, and, and going back to the analogy of, of the rocks uh, across the river, uh, you want to make sure that you have the next rock in place. So when we look at that, and, and the one is, the reason we're doing that is to solve, the first thing is solve a broken journey. Broken journey meaning I want to be able to go, I want to cross that river. I want to go either to the left or to the right. I'm either going to go up funnel, I'm going to go down funnel. But I want to be able to walk across that river freely and if I do that, I have a complete journey across the full funnel of awareness, consideration, and purchase. Mm-hmm. So users should be able to go up and down as often as they want and have all of the answers to their questions right there in front of them. So that alone is a full funnel connection. And when you do that, you're solving for a broken journey. Because as I mentioned, if you come into the middle of the river and you have no place to go, you're going to get the heck out of there and go right back to where you came from. And you know what's going to happen is the next query, somebody's going to go to Google, type in their next question. It could be up another rock or it could be down another rock, but your competitor is going to answer that question. And guess what? They're going to have not only that rock where they came and answered that next question, but they might have the next two or three rocks in order in order to get them to make that purchasing decision. So now you spent the money and educated them on this consideration set and you got them convinced, then they bounce out and go to another website because they had another question that you couldn't answer because you didn't have the right content in market. And now they go to that other website and they are satisfied with that answer and there's a call to action to get them down to the purchase. And before you know it, you lost the sale and they went to you know competitor X because they were able to complete and get across the river to uh, the purchasing. Right. So you've already kind of uh, tapped into this a little bit with, uh, you know, concerns with competitors, as well as just bounce rate in general. What are some of the other risks if a company doesn't use a full funnel strategy? Yeah, the, when we look at, so we talked about the broken journey, that, that's a primary one, right? The second one is when we started this conversation, you and I, we talked about having different knowledge of this product or service that we're looking for. 
that is called a, a point of origination or where somebody's going to entry point. Now, you came in at the best mountain bikes at the middle of the river. Maybe we're going to flip roles for a moment, and I'll say that I'm the expert. I know what the best mountain bike is, so I'm going to look for a specialized carbon fiber 27-inch mountain bike. Well, guess what? That is, I'm all the way down to the purchase state, and I'm all the way down the funnel. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have content at every one of these, these points, then what happens is when I do a search and you don't have that rock, I can't come to your river. I can't come in there. So you have a loss of new acquisition, a loss of new prospect traffic because you don't have the right content in market. So we always kind of come back to it and say, okay, well, what are the risks? Summarizing that one, it's a broken journey. We want to be able to go up and down across the river and make sure that the user can go up and down the funnel. The second one is the big risk is new entry, new points of entry. Everybody we know is at a different state of their education about a product or service. It, it's undeniable. It's going to happen with everybody. You ask 10 people in a room, you're going to get 10 different answers. And what's going to happen is if you don't have that content and you only have three pieces of content, you're only going to get three out of those 10 people. So when we talk about a full funnel connection, if you have all 10 pieces of content in market and you have 10 people with 10 different questions, you have an answer for every question. So you have a landing spot for every one of these people. They all have a, a rock. It's kind of the old musical chairs, right? You, mm-hmm. you want a chair, you don't want to leave somebody left out. So that, that's your two biggest risks if you don't address the full funnel. Okay. Uh, understand. And for the record, you, you are our resident expert <laughs> on all things. <laughs> <laughs> Including musical chairs. Yeah, really. The king of analogies. And speaking of kings, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is, as always, content is king. Like, the more content, the better. Yeah, you know, that's been something for SEO practitioners for years that they've said that. But here's the difference with content is king. Lauren, my recommendation is never to just write as much content as you need uh, or as you can. That's not the goal of content. The goal of content is to put the rocks across the river so somebody can walk you want to, I always talk about this full funnel connection, develop the content, make sure that you're answering every question at every stage. So when we look at that content, every content should have match an intent. And that intent is mapped to a user query. So when a, a person is at Google and they're typing something in, they are using shorthand, but they have a question in mind. Like, uh, best mountain bike, you're, you're trying to consider what, I want to compare them. But in my mind, I might actually be thinking like, maybe racing, maybe not, maybe just leisure, I don't really know. But until that comes out, the next person's gonna have a different query. So when we talk about do we put enough content in market, the idea is not to just publish as much as you possibly can. The idea is to really understand the user. Put your, your hat on as a customer and say, okay, let me take you from that kindergartner to that expert mm-hmm. and say, what do they want to do? How, what questions does each one of these have? And this is where that keyword research and the theming comes into place because when we create themes, we're creating these um, the rocks in the river. The themes become the stepping stones. And then we start organizing these themes from upper funnel to consideration to lower funnel where the purchase is. And then we want to develop content that matches each one of those. 
Right. Quality over quantity, of course. It is, and, and it, it's very specific with an, uh, a reason for the intent. Now, you can add personas in the mix, you know, and a lot of our clients have, you know, uh, different personas, different brands. So you have, you understand a journey, but then you add a dimension of a persona. Maybe a, a married millennial couple versus, you know, a, a senior has very different needs. So they're still looking at maybe the same product or service, but the use, how they're looking at that and viewing it are different. So not only do you have to have the same the, the journey filled out, you have to really understand what your personas are and then add additional depth. So maybe your middle rock has actually got four rocks wide because you have four different personas. Mm -hmm. that you have to touch on that. But then the next rock is only a single rock and the one after that might be three rock three rocks wide for three different personas. So that's kind of how you layer the persona data into this journey, and then you develop the content accordingly to that. So we've kind of talked about some of the some of the pitfalls if you don't use a full funnel strategy. How do you measure success with your full funnel strategy? The success metrics for this would be uh, multiple points. One, are your journeys complete, or do you have a broken journey? Number two, do you have all of these uh, milestones, the rocks, the intents, the themes, are they all covered across everything? Now, I understand that not everybody can just do and develop 400, 500, 1,000 pieces of content overnight. So what we usually talk about is saying, what are the major ones that represent the, the major milestones? Put those into market first, and then add the supporting ones after that, and then you can concentrate if you want to really complete one maybe line of business. If your line of business is life insurance or, or credit cards or something of that nature, you're going to go into a very depth of, of journey on that line of business. So maybe um, lending is, is not completely complete, but your insurance product line of business is complete and you've mapped that out because you prioritize that from a business strategy or a business objective standpoint. So we want to be able to kind of measure that um, success on is the all the pages in market. Then it gets into you know a misconception about content and we're kind of a little bit off tangent, but it's very relevant to this conversation. Mm -hmm. Just because content is in market and if it doesn't rank or you don't get a lot of traffic to it, does not mean that it is no, it's not any good. So let me repeat that. That a lot of times people equate well. My content's not ranking, so therefore it's no good. Now keep in mind that SEO is a recipe and it's not a single ingredient. So, you know, back to my analogies, everybody, but if I'm making chocolate chip cookie dough, you know, just because I didn't put the eggs in or the chocolate chips, you know, doesn't mean that without that, it's not gonna taste like chocolate chip cookie dough, right? You, you can't have <laughs> cookie dough without the, the chocolate chips. Right. So um, that's the same thing with content here is just because the content is in market it, and if it doesn't rank it doesn't mean the content's bad because content requires authoritative value to kind of validate that content in order for it to rank so here on Equanti we have a little bit different of a competitive advantage because we have a really cool tool called Alps that actually can measure that content score and we can measure that against the top competitors in the SERP that are ranking, and at that point, I can tell you with exact scientific data and quantify what I'm saying by saying, no, your content, even though it's not ranking 
or it's in 56th position, your content is best of class. Your problem is not content, it is the authoritative value. And that is a really amazing feature that we have. Not everybody has that. But nonetheless, I just want to kind of reemphasize that just because your content does not rank does not mean that it's bad content. As a content creator, that is incredibly reassuring. And I can also confirm that Alps is a, is a great tool that uh, makes me feel better about <laughs> that content that I'm creating. If it, if it isn't ranking very high necessarily, uh, you know, love to see those, those nines and tens on the Alps score and, uh, uh, and on the content score. And that's something we can maybe dedicate an entire episode to later in our, in our, our journey on iQuantified. Recommendation to anybody listening would be really look at what your user journey looks like. Map that out first before you start building it and constructing and erecting, um, you know, the foundation of a website or changing a website. Do you really know what your journey looks like? Have you mapped that out? Do you know what each one of these stepping stones are? What keywords represent that intent? And is every intent in that journey um, spoken for? Is it representative? And then you can start prioritizing. And the prioritization model is a whole other conversation that we could easily have, but uh, that's something that you would apply and pick that, and that has to do with business strategy, the competitive nature, the overall search demand, and other uh, metrics, key metrics that can help make that prioritization. But the, the key takeaway is make sure that you have a user journey mapped out to a granular level as it's related to primary terms, keyword terms. Those terms, what we call hero terms, represent the intent of the page. You know, best mountain bike, that's a, a page. Um, specialized mountain bike, that is a particular page. Each one's representing a, a particular intent. And anytime that your keywords change intent, then you need to add, a, that's a, a new stepping stone. That's another rock in the river. So don't group these together. That Google in, is, especially with that core updates that, that have been happening, it's how it measures the intent. So you, you definitely have to kind of understand what that intent looks like as the keywords are mapped to that. Got it. <laughs> you constantly want to be thinking like the user, right? Yeah, you know, and it's funny because now writers are, are finally, you know, winning and, and praising because uh, 20 years ago when I was doing this, we could write silly stuff and uh, it would rank or people do keyword stuffing and writers would hate us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they would be very purist and true to the, the form of the journalism. And now the algorithm is finally caught up and it's representing that true form. So the idea is write the way you want to write, write for the customer, be customer centric, but be very specific on that intent. Because if you start mixing intent on a page, now you're diluting the, the effort or the emphasis of that page and you're going to get mixed signals to Google. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not too long ago, I would have been one of those people hating on you. But uh, anyway, let's get into let's get into those Google updates. Uh, so, I, as you said, uh, Google rolled out part one of a two-part broad core algorithm update. Uh, I don't know in the last month or so, and part two is coming in the next month, sometime in July. What are some of the key takeaways from these updates? Oh, don't we love to hear core updates? So, any ex SEO practitioner cringes when we hear core updates because <laughs> by definition the core algorithm is is just that it, it's at the, the basis the core of the entire algorithm meaning 
It's nothing that has to do with your website. And Google um, will, will say this over and over. They'll, they'll tweet about it. They'll, they'll reinforce it. It has nothing to do with your website. There's nothing that you can change for a core update. What a core update means is Google has changed their algorithm internally and it's just how they're calculating something, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what we've seen is that the core updates usually have to do with what I'm talking about, this intent, that Google wants to know what people's intents are when they type in these shorthand queries. Nobody uses complete sentences. So Google, over the year, has got all of these data patterns, and they look at all these bonus rates and everything. So if you put a keyword up, and... A thousand people go to that website, and you know, 995 bounce off. It clearly was not matching that intent. So then Google's able to see what was that content on that page representing, what was the keyword query, and say, ah, that intent isn't matching. So let's change the algorithm. And I'm simplifying this, by the way, but let's change the algorithm to say, well, that keyword doesn't match the intent and the, that page copy. And that is often a core update. So when we talk about core updates, it, it usually has to do with how Google is changing their algorithm mm -hmm. to evolve and make that better. Gotcha. And we talked a little bit last time about core web vitals staying on the on the on the topic of, of core and the Google page experience update. You know, there's uh, this transition away from from AMP. What do you make of that? Yeah, you know the uh, AMP. <laughs> Sorry. I, Google over the years, and like I said, I, I've been doing this a really long time. It's been about 27 years, and I was kind of doing search before Google actually launched. So I've seen a lot of stuff and a lot of things, but AMP was one of these um, attempts, and there's a lot of phases. Google tests a lot of things. Um, they, they brought back the Fave icon, um, which is a display design item next to it that, that happened in the, the early, late 90s, early 2000s. But AMP was a, what I consider a, a phase, and it was trying to accomplish a quick readability. Now, here's what Google has committed to. They know the user base of the world is growing more mobile. And let me kind of expand your thought process on what mobile means. Mobile isn't just your cell phone. Mobile is your car. Mobile is your refrigerator. Mobile is your iPad. Mobile is your TV. Mobile is all of these devices including Alexa and, and everything else that's happening around your world. So mobile is really the way of the, the future and Google is committed to that. And AMP was one of these areas where it felt Google's attempt to, how can I speed up the process? It was kind of the old days when we were using like a, a one bit clear transparent, uh, transparent GIF in order to kind of style spacing um, mm -hmm. on HTML. It was a, a way to quickly make your page load. So AMP stripped out all of the images, took all of the jQuery, did everything, so it was trying to, to be quicker. Now that is going away because now Google is, is doing the, the whole web vitals and the page experience and the mobile speed because AMP didn't really take off the way they had hoped. And it also was, in my opinion, a bit of a regression. You know, here we are, 2021, and you know, you look at the AMP, it was really something that referenced back, I would say like 1998 range. 
<laughs> taking us back. It's like a big time regression, right? A big step back. Right. So I think with the, the web vitals, uh, what Google's attempt here is to make their pages low. Now, and I've said this for, for years, that Google's got a very simple mission statement. They always have since the day it launched. They want to provide the best, most accurate results to a user's question as quick as possible. Now you break that down, accurate result is your content. The, the best meaning authoritative, that's your authority signals. Fastest meaning your page experience is gonna load quickly. So the mission statement all over all of the years hasn't changed, but how they're doing it and how they're kind of hurting the group, if you will, uh, we're all kind of part of Google's world and they're recruiting this into a way that mobile users have a better page experience. And if your page loads quicker, it's going to be a better experience on the 4G, 5G type of networks. Got it. And I guess we should have spelled this out in the in the interest of, of spelling out all of our abbreviations. And uh, I'm surprised our, uh, our executive producer there didn't get on us, but AMP stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages. I think SEO has a whole, we could have a, a two-way dialogue of nothing but acronyms and actually understand each other. It, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, Wayne. I think that about covers it for, for this week. And audience, you've been I-quantified. Thanks again, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon.